following message is by Pastor Eugene Ahn of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. All right, just want to give you guys some brief background about me. In 1995, that's when I graduated high school, all right? So some of you are dating me now, like how old is he? So I graduated from Stevenson High School in 1995, and when I graduated high school, I believed I had arrived. I was fully mature, I was very, very self-confident, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I was a pre-med, going to UIC, hopefully transferring after freshman year, because that was my last choice, and I just, you know what, I'm ready for my life, and I'm ready to do what I want to do. And I also spent four years of my life in youth group, growing up, going to Friday night Bible studies, going to retreats, and doing all this stuff, and at my senior year, I realized, man, I wasted four years of my life being a goody two-shoes. Now it's time to go to college and do something for real. So I, I went to college with that mentality of leaving and just saying, you know what? It wasn't for me. Church wasn't for me. I want to see what else is out there. By the grace of God, I got saved in 1997 where Christ found me. I was hanging out with some Christians. Um, I didn't know anybody at UIC, and I've shared my testimony before, but I just joined this uh, Christian group because that's what Asian kids did, I guess, and that's where all the females were, and so I just want to check it out. And so I go, and I see these people that are on fire for Jesus, and I'm just like, what is going on? And so my life was radically changed in 97, and I surrendered my life to the Lord. So 95 Eugen, totally immature. Didn't know what he was doing. I thought so. But 2000 Eugen, Y2K Eugen? I'm a Christian. I'm graduating college. It only took me five years. Some people, you know, whatever. And I thought I, I, I had arrived. I thought I was a fully formed person. And as I was graduating, I knew, man, I'm doing urban ministry, and I'm going to be a chemist at Abbott forever, and that's just what I'm going to do. And I thought my life was set to go. Thankfully, 2016 Eugen, now judges 95 Eugen, 2000 Eugen, 2016 Eugen can honestly say this, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I am not a fully formed person. I'm not a finished product. All I do know is that I'm a husband. I'm a father of four wonderful boys, very energetic, and they eat a lot. <laughs> and I do know that Christ has a hold of my life and that I just got to follow his lead. There has been a lot of joys and pains. There have been a lot of successes and failures and one thing I know is that I am a work in progress. Amen. Steve Harvey, if you look online, he's got this hilarious comedy stand-up he did at a church. It is sort of clean. And uh, he entitled it, Don't Trip, God's Not Through With Me Yet. And I want to tell the graduates that God, God's not done with you yet. You are a work in progress. And today, we are talking about God bringing our salvation to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So we're going to open up to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. We're going to read this together. If you do have your Bible, you can follow with me or we can... 
Uh, go ahead. Thank you. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And I'll read it here. You can follow on the screen. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Now the first point we're going to talk about is this. Christ is bringing us into completion through fellowship with one another. And that word fellowship in the original text is koinonia, which is fellowship. That's here in this room what we have. And honestly, what happened here is that Paul was the original missionary to the church of Philippi. In the book of Acts chapter 16, it talks about Paul having this crazy dream about a man saying, come, preach the gospel to us. We want the gospel. And so he wakes up and says, we're going. And he goes to Philippi. And he is the first missionary, and he shares the gospel with these women uh, by a river, and they surrender their lives to the Lord, and there's an amazing transformation happening. So this is the relationship that Paul has with Philippi. He's like the church planner. He's like the original person that planted the church of Philippi. And so you can imagine the affection, the love, the endearment there. And so this letter is a letter of thanksgiving. It's a letter Paul writes to say thank you for standing with me. Paul at this time is in prison. Has anyone been incarcerated in here before? When you are incarcerated, it is one of the most lonely places on earth. You are placed in a cell. You don't have any freedoms. And Paul during this time had nobody, nothing. Yet the church of Philippi sent a man named Epaphroditus to go and bless him to encourage him, and also brought a love offering to support them. And so this letter is a thank you letter. And we can hear Paul gushing with love and affection. It's a love letter. Do you guys remember writing love letters? You start writing words, and Paul writes this love letter, and he uses words like this, I thank my God when I think of you. Whenever I pray for you, I am joyful. Because of your fellowship, your koinonia and the good news of Jesus Christ from the first moment uh, I met you until now, it's right for me to feel this way because I hold you in my heart. For God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Jesus. And in the original text, when it talks about the affection, it's such a clean word here in the U.S., but back then they talked about, we say like, I love you with my heart. 
In that time, they said, I love you with my bowels, with my small and large intestine. I love you. Because they believed instead of the heart, this is where all of that affection came from. And so Paul is testifying, I love you this deeply. And for me, I echo those same words as Paul to my youth. I care for you. I love you guys. Especially those that are moving on. I'm so excited to see what God has in store for you. I didn't write you a love letter. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm here to tell in front of everybody how much I care for you, love you guys, and just so excited to see what's next. And so we're going to go to the next slide here. I'm going to show you a picture from our ICC youth group kickoff. This is the first meeting we had ever had as a youth group. And we were playing Picturica, and of course we had pizza, and of course we had two liter bottles of high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) And we had a great time, and it was such a small group. And for me, transitioning into this, it was a challenge. I was coming out of 10 years of urban ministry, and so when I arrived working with suburban teenagers, I was using all of the urban slang that I used to use. And so one time I had a conversation, I was like, bro, that is so dope. They're like, what is dope? (laughs) Dope is drugs. You mean drugs are cool? I was like, that's not what I mean at all. (laughs) But there was this transition for myself But also for them, this is the first time they ever had a youth pastor, someone shepherding them and watching over them. And so we were learning from each other. You know what I learned from them? They love to read. And before the Hunger Games and Divergent were this blockbuster movie, they read that book. (laughs) And so when it came out, I'm like, I heard about this like two years ago, man. My youth group told me about this. And so I learned about them, and we had just grown through the years. I've had three children here at ICC, totaling four. And I, I, just, we've done life together. And so from my heart to them, I love you guys. And so here, this next slide, is a picture of our first uh, time serving together at Pacific Garden Mission. And I'm highlighting their faces. These are the graduates. And we have grown so much together. And I'm so grateful for them. And so this next slide, just showing all the graduates and joy. I brought you in there. Sorry to put you on blast. But I want to put you on there as one of our graduates. And honestly, as this year began... I was mourning the loss of my seniors. I think I started talking about it last summer. I'm like, oh, this is your last year. And then when fall started, I'm like, here we go, senior year. And really, I'm just trying to help myself work through the process. <laughs> and then spring semester comes, like, oh my gosh, you're almost graduating. And then I attended their graduation. I'm like, it's over. Like, today's it. <laughs> and today's the day where they're now going to be entering into the adult congregation, where now they're going to be hanging with you guys. And you guys don't provide donuts and juice once a month. But I want to say this is that there's been so many people that have touched their lives. And out of the love and affection that Paul had for the church of Philippi, I as a youth pastor echo that. We as a church echo that. And I say this because I myself am a product. This is me in vacation Bible school I don't even know when. I don't know anybody in that picture. (laughs) I only know some of my friends that are in there, but the teachers, I have no idea. But at this church is when I first heard about Jesus. 
These pe- people faithfully served. I don't, I don't know their names. They probably have grandchildren. No, I don't even know. But I'm a product as well. And so coming back here to Northfield has been sort of weird for me. When I had left the, uh, my parents' church in 1999, I told them, hey, I'm cutting all ties. I'm done. I'm never going to attend an Asian American church. And I'm never, ever going to live in the suburbs, period. That was 2000, Eugene, you know. You didn't know. And now being back here, our first Sunday back in Northfield, I remember walking by the kitchen, and I've shared this story with some people. The same women that were serving in the kitchen when I was in youth group are still serving in the kitchen. It was like I was going through a time portal, and I looked in, I was like, you're still here. I'm different. You're the same. Like, you're still doing it. And, of course, I try to maximize and ask, can I have some of that? I, can I have, you know, say, nothing has changed for me there, I guess. But, but I am a product of what Christ has done in my life and the progression of it. And so here on the next slide, I want to say this. What I love that Paul says is that his hope is not in Paul preaching to the church of Philippi hope is not necessarily in the church but he says i am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of jesus christ this is the person does the work yes we have pastors yes we have churches yes we have communities and this is all part of it but it is christ doing the work in our lives and transforming us And so I believe that God is going to do that as you move on from here. And so when I was in the wedding, I put all the responsibility on my shoulders. If I saw a kid that had been part of camp and made a confession saying, I follow Jesus, but then was selling drugs on the side, I wouldn't just say, oh, man, what are you doing? I would be crushed because my worth as a person was wrapped up in what they were doing. And see, is that the right way to go about it? No, it's not. But that's how I was going about it. And so ultimately, that had to change. And as I came here, my prayer for my teens was never like, I hope they depend on me. But my prayer was that I entrust them into the hands of Jesus. I am here to just point them in the right direction. And I will be the first one to say, I have not been a perfect youth pastor. I have not spent endless hours with you guys and telling you what to do. But I have entrusted you in prayer when you've never seen me praying for you. Entrusting you into the hands of Jesus. Believing that he is going to bring this work into completion. It comes to our second point here. Christ is bringing us to completion through fellowship with him. The great thing about Christ is that he's not somebody that starts strong and doesn't finish. Does anyone know someone like that? I raise my hand because that's me. I'm great at starting awesome projects, but halfway like, man, that's just too hard, man. That was naive of me to try and start, and I would quit. And there are things all over the country. There's these things I've really gotten into on YouTube called abandoned buildings or abandoned Disney World parks. And it's just so cool. You see that they spent millions of dollars to build it and they've completely abandoned it. And nobody goes there anymore. And it's unfinished. And sometimes we think our salvation is the same way. Like, 
yeah, I had a good strong start in youth group, but uh, I, I don't know what I was getting myself into. But it's Christ that does the work. Uh, so let's read Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, Paul echoes, I echo this prayer for Paul. His prayer is that they would grow not more in love with him, but grow more in love with Christ, in love, in knowledge, and discernment. And that is my prayer for our graduates, is that that is what they would be growing in, more in love with Christ, more, more, growing more in knowledge of him, and also growing in discernment, and trying to make the best choice. So graduates, you guys are leaving your parents' home for the first time. You're going to be living on your own, making your own decisions. And I'm praying that it would be fully uh, in love with Christ, with the knowledge of Christ, but also with discernment and making choices. All of us have heard the story about the Stanford rape case, and that has been brutal, and a lot of bad choices being made there. And my prayer is that you would make choices in Christ and what he wants you to be doing and ultimately leading to the fruit that bears righteousness. Now, I had been trying to soak up in this message and say, you know, what, what is it that I really want to say outside of what Paul is saying here? I want to say this, is that sometimes our faith can be like sandcastles or lighthouses. You know, has anyone ever made a, a sandcastle before? You, you go to the beach, you get a pail, and you start building things, right? And sandcastle faith, what it is, is he, a child is designing it and building it. And you're building your good works. You're building your self-righteousness. You're saying, look at me. I am good. I deserve to be a Christian, and I deserve to be saved. And that's really how I grew up as well in high school. I had a sandcastle faith. I grew up in church. I knew all the right things to say in church. I knew what Jesus had done. But when the winds and the waves of culture, of circumstances, of a new community came about, what happens to sandcastles when waves come? They are destroyed. And I would be naive to think that, oh, you know, 100% of my youth, you know, they're going to be on fire for Jesus. I don't know because the, sta- the statistics are staggering. Some people say 80% of teens that grow up in church leave. Some people say 60%. I'm just going to say 70%. <laughs> okay, 70% of teens leave the church forever. They'll never walk in the doors of a church again. And I want to say it's because of the sandcastle faith that's built on self-righteousness. Like, I deserve it. God owes me. I've been good. But when the circumstances change, when the culture changes, or when the community changes, all of a sudden you're like, well, that, no, that's not me. And I've met so many people that have gone through that. But you see, the faith that Christ builds is a lighthouse. You see, lighthouses are not built by children. 
Kids don't bring out a pail and start building a lighthouse and like, oh, how am I going to do this? There has to be a master engineer. And this master engineer has to take into account every brutal wave that comes about. They have to know that as I build it, it's got to withstand every wave that is going to hit it. And so that master engineer builds the lighthouse And it serves two purposes. Number one, it warns others. But number two, it invites others. And a lighthouse faith is not built by you or me, but it is Christ building us on him and depending on him. See, Jesus, the master builder, when he is building our faith, even if culture changes, Even if circumstances are brutal, I know parents that are living their worst nightmare, yet their faith has not been wavered. And even if community has changed, they're living in the middle of uh, the city in uh, an environment that is anti-Christian, that they can remain faithful. And you see, the lighthouse faith, it's not built by self-righteousness. It's not built by good works but it's built by Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, do that work in me. I can't do it. You must do the work in my life, in my heart. And I want to challenge every person in this room that may identify with that sandcastle faith. Circumstances have made you walk out the door There are times where God has disappointed you and you have said, you know what, God? You and I are not working out. You are not doing what I wanted you to do. But if you are here and say, Lord, I need you to set my feet upon the rock. I need you to put a new song in my mouth. I need you to build me and shape me. This is the faith that will last for an eternity until you see Christ face to face. And that is the prayer that Paul has for the church of Philippi, that they would grow more in love with Christ, in knowledge of who he is, and that they would place their hope and trust in him. And that is my prayer for our teenagers today. It's not going to be within your own power. I, I am a testimony that there are times where God does things that you just are not going to understand. And I have had moments on my knees where I've just said the words, God, take me by the hand because I don't know what to do. And I am entrusting myself to him and just saying, Lord, I trust you. Even when it doesn't make sense, I trust you. And that is the lighthouse faith. It doesn't bring glory to myself It brings glory to the engineer. It brings glory to what God has done in my life. I am not a product of the good things that I've done, but I am a product of what Christ has done on the cross for me and for you, and I invite you there this morning. Not only my graduates, but every heart that's in this room, I invite you. If you've tried to live your life in your own hands and try to do it your own way, today is your day to give it up. Say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Make me, shape me, form me only the way you can.